Our scripture today is from Psalm 1, and I will be sharing from the Common English Bible. The truly happy person doesn't follow wicked advice, doesn't stand on the road of sinners, and doesn't sit with the disrespectful. Instead of doing those things, these persons love the Lord's instruction and they recite God's instruction day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which bears fruit at just the right time and whose leaves don't fade. Whatever they do succeeds. That's not true for the wicked. They are like dust that the wind blows away. And that's why the wicked will have no standing in the court of justice, neither will sinners in the assembly of the righteous. The Lord is intimately acquainted with the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked is destroyed. Would you pray with me? On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Amen. LaShawn Chapman, Executive Director of the National Equity Project, shares the following words in her article dated February the 4th, 2021. Trees that are not firmly rooted in rich, fertile soil do not grow, do not bear fruit. They cannot withstand strong wind or bear heavy loads. Unrooted trees cannot intertwine and connect to other trees, thereby creating thriving systems. When you don't experience and know your connections to what's beneath the surface, the deep, historic, self-generating roots that dwell there, then you can be surprised by the organizing <clears throat> and political prowess of a Stacey Abrams. You could think her an anomaly an individual tree. Without an understanding of black history, you have no way of knowing of her roots that grow deep under the soil. These roots are connected to folks like Barbara Jordan, Shirley Chisholm, Charlotta Bass, Daisy Bates, Harriet Tugman, and Sojourner Truth, the original organizers and abolitionists for our freedom History is made in the present when you lost connection to your roots, to the incredible legacy and survival of your ancestors. <clears throat> you cannot see yourself clearly and your imagination for our collective future is diminished. Stacy Yvonne Abrams, the brilliant woman that she is, has roots that run through this church. Her mother, Carolyn, a retired college librarian, and her father, Robert, a retired shipyard worker, both did their internship right here at St. Mark in the late 80s and early 90s when they were students at Candler School of Theology. Stacy credits her parents with instilling in her and her siblings a thirst for learning. An interesting tidbit that I ran across said, that Stacy would read the encyclopedia for fun. Now, who does that? 
Her siblings hold noteworthy professions. One is a professor of anthropology, one is a federal judge, one an evolutionary biologist, and there's a social worker. According to an article found in womenshistory.org, Abrams' family remains close as the siblings carry on a book club via the internet. The accomplishments of Ms. Abrams, a 38-year-old Spelman College, University of Texas at Austin, and Yale University graduate are worth, in my opinion, your taking a good look at. St. Mark is proud to have been a contributing factor to Ms. Abrams' root system. We're blessed to have played a part in her growth and development. This church does not stand merely as a historic Gothic edifice. This church stands at the corner of Peachtree and Fifth to make a difference in the lives of God's people. Jeremiah 17, 7 says, Blessed are those who trust in the Lord. They are like a tree planted by water, sending out roots by the stream. For those of you who remember the anatomy of a tree, you know that a tree has four main parts. It has the roots, it has the trunk, the branch, and the leaves. Now the leaves grow from the branches, the branches grow from the trunk, and the trunk grows from the roots. So the roots are the beginning, the roots are the foundation, the roots are the cornerstone, they are the base. In this black history observance moment. I'd like to pause just briefly to take a look at the root systems of a few noted black historians. The Atlanta Braves, our own Atlanta Braves, won the World Series championship in 2021. So let's start with the category of baseball. No doubt the name Hammering Hank should have a familiar sound to those of us who like baseball. Now, my dad loved baseball. I couldn't stand it. He could watch it all day, all night, but such is the baseball fan world. Henry Louis Aaron, born February 5th, 1934, is widely regarded as the greatest, one of the greatest baseball players in history. Hank Aaron made his major league debut in 1954, only 20 years old. His 755 career home run record broke the long-standing record of Babe Ruth. Aaron's contributions to the sports of baseball goes without saying. But the quality that I admire more than his athletic prowess was his character on and off the field. Playing Major League Baseball in the 50s and 60s and breaking all kinds of records doing so caused death threats to be hurled at him, both left and right. He spoke out against pervasive racism in Major League Baseball and broke racial barriers throughout his entire career, but he never seemed to lose his cool. I would think Hank must have been deeply rooted in the understanding of who he was as a human being in order for him to have stayed the course and fought the good fight. I would think he knew that his talent as a baseball player was not of his own making. Like any star athlete, Henry Aaron practiced diligently to horn his skills. 
and from all indications, this was a man who understood that God was the one who gave him the skill in the first place. He was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1984, receiving 97.8% of ballots. That's phenomenal. Mr. Aaron would go on to acquire an upper-level management position with the Braves organization <clears throat> as vice president of player development. He and his wife, Billy Aaron, are recognized for their philanthropic and human humanitarian efforts. And in 2002, he was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom by George W. Bush. This sports icon rounded the basis for his final home run a little over a year ago, January 22nd, 2021. Now, moving from the sports arena to the field of entertainment, let's shine the spotlight on Sidney Poitier, the first black actor to receive an Oscar for best actor in a leading role from the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Science. Poitier, a tall, dark, handsome individual is well known for his charismatic, dignified charm, his articulate verbal delivery, and his ability to captivate an audience on screen and off. Heralded by the New York Times as the one who played or paved the way for blacks in acting. Sidney Poitier was born February 20th, 1927. His parents were Bahamian farmers who raised crops on Cat Island, and the family would travel back and forth from the island to Miami to sell their produce. Poitier was born prematurely on one of those Miami trips, and so being born on American soil automatically made him an American citizen. However, at birth, Poitier was so tiny that he could fit in his father's hand. He was not even expected to live. But obviously, God had other plans for this soul. He went to New York at age 16 looking to become an actor, holding down jobs in uh, kitchens as a dishwasher. It's said that uh, his strong island accent and his lack of education kept him from landing his first audition with the American Negro Theater. Story goes that an elderly Jewish waiter took an interest in Poitier and sat with him every night for several weeks using newspaper articles to help him improve his reading. Poitier did land worked with the American Negro Theater where he studied and took acting lessons, acquiring the position of understudy with Harry Belafonte. This led to roles on Broadway and eventually his getting noticed by Hollywood. Now in the 50s and 60s, roles for black actors were usually stereotypical and one-dimensional, but Poitier turned down these kinds of roles. In an interview with Oprah Winfrey, Poitier remarked, I had in mind what was expected of me, not just what other black actors expected, but what my mother and my father expected and what I expected of myself. Once again, we see the root system of a family that held fast to the concept of self-worth, of dignity, of pride. 
I recommend you check out a few movies from Portier's repertoire. A Raisin in the Sun, Lilies of the Field, To Serve with Love, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, and In the Heat of the Night. See for yourself what messages his character portrayed. Portier's career not only included acting, but also directing and writing and serving as an ambassador. This stellar performer took his final bow on January the 6th, 2022. Now, when I began my search for information on my final black history maker, I was amazed to find an article from the Los Angeles Times dated March 22, 1994. I was completely shocked to see the reference to the high school where I taught for 20 years. And my jaw just dropped when I saw these words in print. Please let me share the opening paragraphs from Associated Press. When South African Archbishop Desmond Tutu came to Emory University for a semester of teaching, one singular moment spelled out the effect the Nobel laureate had on everyone he touched. The all-black student body at Booker T. Washington High School packed the gymnasium. Some squirmed through officials' opening remarks a music teacher reprimanded one chorus member for talking. There was some ruffling of programs and board looks, but then the small man took the microphone, and in minutes, he had them on their feet. Such is Tutu's charisma. His message was electric. Stay in school. Leave drugs alone. I am somebody, Tutu chanted not in the flashy election stomp style, but in the gentle rhythmic tones of Tutu at his preaching best. I am somebody, the students chanted back. I reach for the stars. The sky is the limit. Most will probably never forget the moment. The 950 youngsters will probably never be the same. They remained on their feet throughout his speech. Yes, I remember that assembly program very well, but I had no idea that the Associated Press had captured the reprimand that I had issued to one of my students in the news. I'm not quite sure why Washington High was selected for Tutu's visit, although it is on the National Register of Historical Sites, and it is the high school where Martin Luther King Jr. attended. By the way, Martin King did not graduate from Washington. He was an early admittance student into Morehouse College. So we can't say he graduated from Washington High. He, early admit, he was early admitted at age 15 into uh, Morehouse College. The children leaning forward, listening on the bleachers, strained to hear the words, don't let anybody use you as a doormat. The applause thundered through the gym. When you are free, you will help others to be free. The five foot seven archbishop seemed to tower over everyone on that stage. 
and his message, sprinkled with poetry and stories, spoke out against tyranny and oppression. He mentioned the importance of being in touch with oneself and the fleetingness of fame and fortune. He was a giant to those of us who listened to him speak truth to power. Archbishop Desmond Tutu, a man deeply rooted in the stuff that gave him courage to fight for the end of apartheid in South Africa. Desmond Tutu, whose deep roots prepared him to lead folks to the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. This larger-than-life priest received the Nobel Peace Prize in 1984. In 85, at the height of the Township Rebellion in South Africa, he was installed as Johannesburg's first black archbishop. And in 86, was elected the first black archbishop of Cape Town, thus becoming the primate of South Africa's 1.6 million member Anglican church. Archbishop Desmond Tutu said his final earthly amen on December 26, 2021. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord. They are like a tree planted by water, sending out roots by the stream. Aaron Poitier Tutu deeply rooted in the name of the Creator, the Redeemer, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.